Aloha, friends. We are back for another par train. This is just another day in golf paradise. We've got arguably the guy who has the best job in golf at, again, I'm going to make an argument, the most beautiful golf course on the PGA Tour circuit. Matt? Ev, how are you? We, this is a very special episode. Why don't you welcome our guest on? So we've got our friend Steven, the head golf pro at Kapalua Plantation Course. And um, we are excited to have him on. He's going to tell us a bit about some stories he knows from on tour. He might even help you with your golf game. Maybe. How's it going, Steven? <laughs> Welcome to the show. Hey, nice to be here. Thanks, uh, thanks so much for uh, reaching out and having me on. Love to do it. So before we get into uh, some a fun segment and some questions, we just got to ask you because a lot of people say, you know, if you had a day to live, what would you do? And you felt that firsthand uh, last week with the ballistic missile notification. Since we got a Hawaii native now on the show, we've got to we've got to ask you what went through your mind and what do you do? Did you stay true to that question and do something crazy if you thought it was all coming to an end? Oh man, you know, uh, it was pretty wild. Yeah. I got the, you know, you get the emergency alert on your phone and, and, and I kind of looked at everybody else cause everybody was doing the same thing. Probably, I probably had about a hundred golfers on the golf course and probably all, but about five or six of them came off the golf course. And, uh, I led some of the people from like the restaurant shut down. I took them down into the cart barn cause that's probably about the safest place that there is on property. But other than that, I, I talked to my girlfriend, told her I loved her, and she, she of course, is here. And I called my mom and dad, and my dad thought it was a bad joke, <laughs> and my mom just got mad. <laughs> <laughs> so d- yeah. did anyone bring a couple bottles from the bar down to the cart barn? No, I don't know. You know, it was just, no, I, there wasn't really any drinking. Everybody was just kind of in shock. Like, you know, you don't know what the heck, what's going to happen. So I think, I think for the most part, uh, everybody just kind of called loved ones and just said, Hey, I don't know what's happening, but just to let you know. And yeah, there was no, I didn't really do anything wild. I just kind of stood outside like I usually do and look at Molokai and I go, well, if it's going to happen, I guess this ain't a bad place for it to end. It's crazy, just for the golf fans out there, apparently Jason Duffner stayed in bed, and apparently Justin Thomas opened the screen door of the place he was staying and was watching TV. So, pretty much the same reaction all around, but that's crazy. We're glad you're safe. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be safe, too. It would have been kind of a bummer. <laughs> yeah. No, um... Um, Steven, uh, yeah. And for the listeners out there, Steven, uh, we're, we're going to get, obviously get into your career and kind of your journey, you know, in the club professional world, um, you know, to the, a beautiful place like Hawaii. Um, but, but Steven, you're a Midwest guy. You grew up in the Chicago burbs, um, and, and, and really have an interesting geographic journey too. being, you know, work, working at a lot of, you know, different clubs in, in the Chicago area, most notably Butler national, which I think is the best course in Illinois, but, um, you know, and, and work at Naperville Country Club, um, you know, as your family had a big history there. Um, and then going off to Dallas and Colorado, and then you made it to Hawaii. Um, it, it's, did you feel like you, you were just kind of working your way to the top and most, you know, to Hawaii? Like, it's wild. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, just, to, you know, I mean, I go to the golf course every day. I've been doing it since I was a kid. You know, I started playing when I was four. I can remember caddying my first time, my first loop. 
I was eight years old. I was caddying for the club champ on a one-day member guest, and my dad sure. was like, well, you ain't doing anything, so get out there. And I said, so I caddied eight years old, and it, I did that forever. So, I mean, golf course always kind of kept me out of trouble, and, and you know, uh, you know, I've learned a lot of life lessons around the around the golf course. So, you know, I'm a, being a fourth-generation golf professional, my great-grandfather was at Ravislaw on the south side. Sure. Um, he was the superintendent and golf pro back then, you know, about 1900. And then my, my grandfather was at uh, Inverness Country Club in Palatine in Illinois. And then my dad was 13 years at Prestwick down south, kind of near Tinley Park. And then he was 25 years at uh, Naperville. So, you know, it's just kind of in our, you know, it's just kind of in your blood, I guess. You know, it just, uh, I've, I've never missed a Masters with my dad, you know, watching it on TV. We went there for the first time in 2014. And, uh, you know, I've just been very blessed and fortunate to work at some really great places and make some good contacts. And, uh, you know, you just just do the right thing for guests and people. And hopefully, you know, if you get if you get lucky like me, then you end up someplace like this. We like to loosen you up a bit to start, Stephen. And this segment, <laughs> okay. this segment we call career fair. So we've got real college students that wrote in, and we told them, "Hey, this guy has arguably the greatest job in the world for a golf fan." But you know, let's just put it in the world. We don't need to even okay. say in golf, okay? Uh, got it. This guy's hanging out at Kapalua every day, and college students wrote in about to graduate, wanting to know how they can get the best job in golf or in the world. So we've got three questions from different uh, golf fans about to enter the real world, and we're just going to go through them, and we'll see if you can help them out. Okay, I can do that. Question number one. Is wearing – this is from Sally from Tennessee, by the way. Is wearing khakis (laughs) and spikeless golf shoes off-limit for an interview? Well, (laughs) you know (laughs) – No, I always think like, you know, I'm I'm kind of, I'm really kind of pretty classic when it comes to something like that. I kind of just go navy blue sport coat and uh, khakis with a good crease in them and uh, probably kind of just like a plain foot joy kind of classic shoe. But for a lady, probably a little bit different. I would think a lady is still going to probably go kind of with a, you know, uh, kind of a suit kind of deal. Sure. Okay. All right, Sally. There you go. Pleats. Pleats is the key. All right, Serm, you got the next one. Yeah, I mean, foot joy, just an absolute standby. All right, um, Stephen, this is uh, this one came in from Jeremy, who's actually um, an up-and-coming bee caddy at Butler National Golf Club. He's a freshman over at Naperville North High School. Um, That's my, That's where I went to high school. <laughs> oh, look yeah, at that. Yeah. <laughs> and we said they're so supposed he, to be college students, so, you know, Jeremy is clearly an ambitious one. But go ahead. <laughs> All so, right, Jeremy, hit me. He, he, he understands that you kind of mentioned your relationships. You can make a lot of relationships in the golf world. Well, he says, hey, so the first T commercials say I'll learn a lot of valuable life lessons in the game of golf. Well, I think that's BS. Will golf actually help me get a job? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, Absolutely. You know how many times I've been sitting at a dinner table and the only thing, uh, you know, people find out that you're a golf pro or that you like golf and then you you pretty much always have an endless kind of endless array of stories to talk about. You know how many times I've been sitting there like at a wedding that, you know, might be might have been dragged to and I'm sitting there with a fork trying to show somebody how to how to how to grip a club correctly. Um uh, so yeah, I think it definitely helps and if you can play golf, people always want to play good with play with a good golfer. So if you can play golf, sure. pff, 
That's a great opportunity. Uh, to me, uh, hanging out at the golf shops like hanging out at a bar with no alcohol. Because, I mean, I get to <laughs> hang out with the coolest guys that want, want to talk golf all day long. We have a TV on in the golf shop. I, I've never been in a golf shop that we didn't have a TV on. So we either got ESPN on or we got Golf Channel on. So, like I said, it's kind of like a bar with, with, with no alcohol. And then come once, once you close the doors, then probably it's on to the bar. Last question. This is actually this is a really good one. This is from Soren in in L.A. Okay. If your leadership style was a golf shot, would you be a knockdown six iron or a sweeping draw with draw with the driver? I don't know what it means, but it's a great question. Knockdown six iron. I don't hit much of I don't hit much of a draw. Okay. <laughs> okay. And and out here and out here in Kapalua, and I lived in Dallas. Uh, keep playing the ball and controlling the ball kind of under the wind is probably most important. I'm all about uh, control out there. So uh, I got an old ski injury on my left hip that forces me to hit a slight butter fade. So I've it's been a long time since I hit a draw. I can hit a hook, but I don't hit too much of a draw anymore. Soren, I don't know how you're going to translate that to your career, but it's a great question. Thanks for riding in. Okay, my first question for you. This is something that I've always wanted to know. I think a lot of our uh, our listeners would want to know. You're around. You've got the unique situation where you've got people coming to your course. They've probably traveled a long way to be there. Um, so you've seen a lot of amateurs, and you also see the best players in the world that have won a tournament every year come to Kapalua. So Correct. I want to know any and all stories you have about the pros that come through Kapalua. I'm sure you get an inside look. Maybe you've got stories about some individuals, stories about the event. Uh, the funnier, the better. Let us have it. I got a couple. Yeah, I mean, James, it's funny because James Hahn was in here a couple years ago, and uh, James, I think, finished second to last. And he could not, he just couldn't putt. You know, he obviously a good ball striker and such, yeah. and he's a good putter, but, you know, there's so much grain out here on these Tiff Eagle greens and the influence of the West Maui Mountains. And uh, James just couldn't putt. And so every, you know, his, his stroke average after the first two days was above two. He had like seven three putts in his first two days. So wow. uh, he would just wow. hang out. He would come into the golf shop and just hang out every day and just talk to us about the greens. If we try to give him advice and take him down to the putting green and talk, hey, this is how you want to play this, so on and so forth. But it was funny. He always had to come in and use the golf shop phone because his wife had the courtesy car. And so he had to wait either for her to come pick him up or he had to take the shuttle down, and we call the shuttle for him. But James was a pretty cool guy. I really like him. Uh, a couple years ago, uh, Ricky Fowler and Danny Lee were messing around with each other. They, uh, we got a call on the radio from the tour that you know somebody's car was vandalized, so on and so forth. But Danny Lee just signed the hood of Ricky's car. Mm. So afterwards, at, like in the middle of the day, Ricky somehow got Danny's Danny's keys, and he moved the car. So Danny didn't know where his car was then after he was finished, and he came back in the shop like, what, 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 what am I supposed to do? <laughs> <laughs> uh, this year, Duffner's car, who's funny, I'm standing next to one of the one of the uh, head operators for the tour, and he gets a text message and goes, uh-oh, uh, Jason Duffner's agent just texted me, his car was damaged. <laughs> he he kind of sent back like, well, did he hit a mongoose, or did he like blow it through a fence? I never, never saw the damage, but uh, I kind of thought that was kind of kind of funny. Oh, uh, I, the, 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 that's great. I mean, I, I mean, there's only there's only you know thirty guys or so at the event, so the interactions and you know, and there's they're so they're more relaxed in other weeks. I mean, that's got to be 
funny and comical and pretty neat to be around him in that setting. It's pretty amazing. As I tell everybody that I talk to about the tournament, because of course, 365 days a year, you're getting, people are asking me about the tournament and asking and asking all the other golf pros. So uh, it's it's unbelievable because you really it's probably about as intimate as you're going to get because you're only going to get about 3,000 spectators, which seems like right. not a lot of people, of course, because you know there's only 120,000 people that live on Maui. So the fact that there's only 120,000 people here and the people that are work, are living here for the most part working. So, sure. you know, you got your you got about a thousand volunteers and then you got your, you know, about 3000 spectators and then you got your workers. So it's, it's, it's crazy. I mean, you are up close and personal, you know, they're walking down the same hallway that you are. I mean, we close off the locker rooms for the players and their, and their families and such, but I mean, you pass them in the hallway. Uh, last year was amazing. I, I was really impressed. I've really wanted been super impressed by just the way Jordan has handles himself all the way around. I mean, he's so giving of his time, and everybody wants a piece of him. Um, Jason Day, amazing. I mean, they are just so good with taking pictures with everybody and and smiling and signing, and they're just, just, you know, just good-hearted people, and they're brought up certainly, certainly brought up the right way. Um, You got a couple guys that don't like to sign, but you know, for the most part, those guys are really great and good with their time. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's pretty cool. You know, as we watch it at home, you know, we obviously primetime golf at night's the best, but um, it's, it's always, it's always fascinating, you know, to watch the tournament and the golf course. And we kind of wanted to pick your brain a little bit about, you know, from a, you know, as we watch it and we try to figure out the golf course, what are some kind of untold secrets or maybe some misconceptions about the golf course or maybe TV doesn't do justice. And I think that might play into pros for pros and for amateurs. But I want to, mm-hmm. we want to get your thoughts there. The one thing that you never see on television, I think, is with anything, even when you watch the Masters, uh, Augusta, you know, uh, you never, you don't see the elevation change. Uh, Plantation has almost 900 feet of elevation change, which wow. uh, from the 17 tee box is your highest elevation point, and then it's pretty much straight downhill all the way down until you get to two green. So it's it's pretty it's pretty dramatic and that's what gives opens up these amazing views out here i mean there's not a shot on the golf course you have your first shot on one to your last shot on 18 you always you never have an obstructed view of the water or of molokai or of lanai so you can see the whole thing so that's probably the biggest misconception that television just doesn't do justice um but really in terms of an untold story you know, most golf courses, I think, adjust their adjust their golf course for the players. We we really don't. The golf course it, it's in the same condition. We try to keep, of course, it's it's in top notch condition all the time. But we don't we don't change the length of the of the rough. We don't change the yeah. the speeds of the greens. Uh, the golf course is what it is. So if you're playing the golf course in June or July, it's the same golf course that you're going to get in January. And if anything, January is probably the toughest time because these are the shortest days. Uh, you have the least amount of sunlight. We have the most amount of rain in the winter time. So, you know, everybody thinks you know Hawaii is kind of it is kind of almost like the best groundhog day ever because it's pretty much beautiful all the time. But you know, in the winter time, we get a lot of rain. Uh, like the day after my birthday, like end of October, we got seven and a half inches of rain in one day. Wow. We got seven. And then in November, uh, right after the Maui basketball invitational left, we got seven and a half inches of rain in one day. 
So mm-hmm. we get say like the average, the back nine averages about 80 to 85 inches of rain a year. The front nine averages 60 to 65 inches of rain a year. And then you just go down and you, as you get closer to the water, it rains less and less. So like the bay course is right on the water and that gets about 40 to 45 inches of rain a year. So the West Maui mountains above are one of the top three rainiest places in the world, over 400 inches of rain a year. Wow. Wow. See, that's wild. Evan, and I know you, Evan, you want to talk about your experience there, but I think it's really interesting that the course is untouched. It's set up for the amateurs. It is for the pros. That's not like that in most tournaments. Exactly right. And that's kind of what I alluded to just when I started. Yeah, because uh, it, it, yeah, we don't change it. The, it's a uh, 328 Bermuda grass on the fairways on the tee boxes and the, in the rough. And that rough is, I mean, this is a link style golf course, but it's kind of the first golf course of its kind. Cause this is, Ben Crenshaw and Bill Coors first golf course design, which opened in 1991. Uh, So it's a link style golf course. There's not a tree out there that's going to affect your shot. If you're in the trees, your ball's gone. (laughs) There ain't no way to looking for it because it's in the native grass. It's in that tall grass, but there's not a, there's not a tree out here that's going to affect any kind of shots. So it is truly a link style golf course and the first of its kind, because now Ben Crenshaw and Bill Coors, I think are collaborating somewhere like on their 23rd, 24th golf course. And, and Gentle Ben was actually out here yesterday walking the golf course. and uh, oh, sure. Yeah, so it was pretty funny. Actually, a couple guests came in off the golf course, and they were so excited because, you know, they turned a corner on the golf course, and Ben Crenshaw standing out there making comments about, you know, you know here, here, tweak this, maybe tweak that. But it's, 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 a, it's just a fabulous spot. I mean, I take pictures of it every day just because it's just it's, – it's hard to believe that from – being a guy in Naperville, Illinois, he makes it, you know, all the way out here and, and doing what I'm doing. So I'm certainly blessed and fortunate and I pinch myself every day. And Now, Steven, I want to pick your brain because you were nice enough back in September when we first talked to give me a couple tips when I was coming out to play uh, the plantation course for my birthday in late September. And I find this absolutely fascinating. This is the one question I wanted to ask you more than any other, and I can't quite figure it out. So... I've played. I've been lucky enough to play uh, some courses on the the circuit for the tour, and I was thinking about the Waste Management Open course at TPC Scottsdale, and that uh-huh. course. I was looking at the winners over the last five years, and the winning score averages from nine under to thirteen under. I've played that course. That course does not even compare to the difficulty. That Kapalua is, which this year was 24 <laughs> under to DJ and 30 under last year to Spieth. Now, my my mentality and my perception as a golf fan that watches this event every year coming to the course was it's a bomber's course. I'm going to be able to hit it anywhere. It's going to run 50 to 100 yards, and I'm going to have wedges in. And the tour makes it seem like the easiest course. But I want to provide some context to the listeners there's elevation okay. change. There's blind tee shots. The fairways slope in some cases opposite of the wind. There's uneven lies on every shot. And the greens are incredibly fast and slow depending on whether you're facing towards Molokai or not. So to me, that has almost every element of difficulty with a golf course. So I wanted to ask you, is this golf course more overpowered by precise distance Meaning, for example, DJ's drive on 12, where you hit it super long in the perfect spot and you're able to cut away all of that difficulty. Is this course 
more easy for the pros and that difficult for the amateurs maybe than any course out there? Yeah, that's a great kind of a great question. And again, because you saw it firsthand. Yeah, uh, you know, it's totally 100 percent totally dependent on the conditions. So when the wind, the t- your typical trade wind, the golf course was designed for the typical trade wind because the typical trade wind is kind of swinging around the West Maui Mountain and then kind of, you know, cutting across. So like 18, that's why people always hit their biggest drives on 18. You know, people hit 400-yard drives on 18 all the time because you got kind of a draw wind kind of coming across you, right? Yep. In uh, these types of years like this, when I knew it was going to be trade winds, you pick the bombers. It's going to be a DJ. It's going to be, you know, Kepka was sick when he was out here, so that's why he just didn't play well. But he was kind of one of my picks to click because he hits the ball so far. Um, if the wind is the opposite direction, then we call it a, a Kona wind and it's coming from the big island, and that's when you kind of get a lot of those dust particles uh, in the air, and it kind of makes for dramatic sunsets. That's when you get, like in the past, when we've had guys like Zach Johnson win, where it is a total wedge kind of precision type of play. So out here at Plantation, the biggest, the biggest thing is what are the, what are, what's, the, what's the condition of the wind. Today we had probably 30-mile-an-hour 30, 30 wind, trade winds, and so it's going to make the golf course dramatically tough for the average golfer. Like you said, because you don't have a flat lie. This is an absolute just feel type of golf course. If you're a type of guy that wants to be precise and say, I hit the ball 271 yards and I'm going to hit my seven iron 175, it's not like it's not that kind of golf course. It's a feel golf course. And if you if you happen to see Jordan Spieth's after his round after round one here, this, you know, uh, the other last week, two weeks ago, whatever it was. So after his first day, I watched him on the driving range on day one. I was sitting over there with my dad, and we're watching him hit balls, and he's looking at his phone like every shot with his caddy, Michael Geller. And it was like he was out there. You know, he said he practiced for about an hour and 45 minutes. He was using technology. He's using all these things to kind of try to dial things in. And then the second day, it was like he hit balls for like 10 minutes, hit putts for like 15, 20 minutes, and he was good to go, and he shot, played way better day two. Hmm. I think golfers overanalyze and are just too critical of their swings. And, you know, you know, if you pretty much stick with posture, grip, alignment, and have good balance, uh, to me, I'm a total feel player. I'm not, I'm never, I've never been a precision, like, I need, to, I need to know, you know, and that's good for target golf, which is usually kind of how most American golf courses are set up. But I'd much rather play in Ireland. I'd much rather play a golf course like this where you got to take into account all the elements. Sometimes there's like hole number 10 here is usually dead into the trade wind. I hit that drive usually pretty well, and I might have 110, 115 yards in it, and I might have to put, punch a seven iron. But then there's also times where you might have the wind gusting with you and you're downhill and you got a 200 yards and you hit an eight iron. So it's just totally, totally a field golf course, which I think makes it a crazy fun. But, you know, yeah. some people are kind of get used into, you know, playing their country club, and it's this precise kind of, i got to get my swing. You know, uh, Ledbetter tells me to do this. Well, you're thinking too much. You know, I think you got to let go a little bit and just have fun with it more. Yeah, yeah and definitely no, I, for – sorry, sorry, real quick. For, for those – and we'll go into this at the end. I, I was wanting to get your tips on uh, for golfers that want to make the trek out and make a golf trip out of this. But the one thing I would say is – you definitely want to play there twice. Like it's of all the courses I've played in my life, Kapalua is the one place that I want to play again because I think it really depends on feeling comfortable off the tee of know where you want to hit it, 
and you just have to be able to play it twice. So keep that in mind um, for when you well, go. And also, I think the first time that you play it, you're so stunned by the beauty of it. You know, you're taking so many pictures, and then you kind of almost lose sight of where the mountain is and, and the influence of the grain. So, yeah, it's definitely, you know, the first time I played here, I, I, there's no way I broke 80. And now, <laughs> now if I go out there and I shoot more than, if I shoot over par, I'm, you know, it's not like I'm upset about it, but, it, you know, usually the par fives can be had. You know, I'm usually going to birdie a couple of the par fours along the way. And then, you know, par threes, in a lot of ways, you just want to hit the green and kind of two-putt and get out of here. But uh, the golf course can certainly be had. There's no doubt about that. I mean, you, uh, even even being in the Aloha section now for about four years, you know, when I talk to pros that around for the other islands, they always say, if you catch Kapalua, you catch the plantation course on a calm day, there's not a better golf experience on the planet. Yeah, sure. it's probably, would you might be the most Instagram golf course, <laughs> at least in North America, right? <laughs> we got to run the metrics on that. There's no doubt. Yeah. No, and and Stephen, it's interesting. You said a few interesting things there, and for me, I'm starting to allude a little bit to your, maybe your some of your teaching and swing philosophies. We kind of wanted to pick your brain there. You talked about being a field player. You talked about amateurs are overanalyzing too often. Sounds like being, you know, too mechanical. We all get into that. But yeah, Stephen, you kind of want to briefly talk about um, as a teacher, as a guy who's teached your whole career. Um, what's your style? What are some um, key things and you always go back to um, when you're um, working with your students? You know, on the golf course, my dad always taught me that, you know, you just kind of play with what you got. Some days you, you hit the ball beautifully and you score terrible. Other days you scrape it around and you hit the ball kind of bad and, and you score okay. So, you know, it's a, a totally golf is just so mental. It's really about Absolutely. what your mental capacity is. So I'm pretty simple uh, just even though i've worked with some of the greatest instructors in the world uh i'm kind of a butch Harmon fan because he keeps it simple uh partly he's got a book um uh, it's all it's called the pro that's probably my favorite golf book um and he just talks about his dad kind of passing on pearls of wisdom to him because you know golf is so simple in terms of in terms of it's the hardest thing to teach is rhythm you can teach people posture, grip, alignment. You can teach people balance. But trying to teach somebody rhythm, it takes time. It takes repetition. It takes kind of grinding it out in the dirt. You know, again, playing golf, starting to play when I was four, you know, I think people now are so entrenched with phones and, you know, and, and all this other stuff that, you know, I'm kind of fortunate and I feel blessed that I grew up without a phone because I would just go get lost. Anytime when I was a kid, my dad always tells stories about me that, you know, I'd be five, six years old and I'm out there playing with the senior league out on the golf course. And he, he has to go, come out to five or six to get me to bring me home for dinner. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, so it's just kind of, you know, it's one of those games where you just got to spend a lot of time by yourself and you got to just kind of got to learn what, what is your style. You know, I'm just, I keep it really simple. You know, I think a lot of times when I watch the average amateur, especially out here at Plantation, I, if I, if I come up to somebody and sometimes I'll put a club down at their feet and they'll say, what are you doing? I'm, I'm just showing you where you're lined up and I'll put a club across their feet and they're lined up 50 yards to the right of their target. And I say, how, how, how do you expect to hit the center of the fairway when you're lined up at the road? And they go, what do Sweeping you mean? Draw. Well, then you throw another, you throw another club down parallel to that club and you go, 
well, you're aimed up, you're aimed 50, 60, 70 yards right of your target. How are you going to pull it back? And that's where you see people just, usually most people just have poor balance. So when you look sure. at the tour, you look at tour players, they have such beautiful rhythm simply because their fundamentals are good. Steven, that's what they work on. I mean, you know this. I mean, it's they spend so much time at it, but it's grip, posture, stance. I mean, they just hammer that home because, you know, as somebody who used to play seriously and doesn't play as much as I used to, when I start struggling, it's my fundamentals. Somebody looks at me, hey, like you said, Steven, you're aimed 10 yards right. And it's right. just like – there's what I, I guess I feel like you're trying to hammer you would hammer that home is you can't work on the fundamentals enough and that helps your rhythm. Is that fair? I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, again, I think uh, once you get your body into well, let me start over. You watch watch a good player play. And what's the first thing that they do? They stand back behind the ball, right? They kind of pick that spot. They pick that spot either a couple inches or a few feet in front of them. Because if they can't line up at that spot a couple inches or a few feet in front of them, how do you expect to line up at something a couple hundred yards down the fairway? So you pick your spot. You get yourself in the best athletic position that you possibly can on target. And, of course, your only, your only controller, your only, uh, all your feedback is coming back to your hands. The most important thing in anything, of course, is the grip. I think a tennis player is going to say the same thing. I think even like a guy that's a basketball player, like a Steph Curry, who's amazing with, you know, three point shooting and things like that. You don't think his grip on the ball is probably the most important thing that's going through his mind when he, when he catches and releases, it's all about the simple things. And I think the average amateur just is thinking about all these other things. They're thinking 10, 15 different things in their, in their swing. You don't have that much time in in the second and a half it takes you to swing. You got to have, you got to be prepared when you're stepping into that shot and when you're standing over the ball, you shouldn't be thinking about anything. Wow. Wow, Ev, you hear that? You shouldn't be thinking about anything. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, swing and, that's helpful swing for me. And balance. <laughs> swing your so, swing. So, Steven, let's review for a second. You've already helped some graduating seniors and a random high schooler uh, get their dream job. We're about, we, we will, at the end, we'll talk about uh, tips on booking a golf trip there. But, okay. So you're going to help people with a, a golf trip of a lifetime. If we can complete the trifecta of you giving our folks one tip or something about a practice routine, maybe the percentage of working on long game versus short game, one thing that you think can help people, let's do the 80-20 rule, that can help 80% of someone's game. What is one thing that has proved to be so impactful the most impactful for you as a as a teacher then we can complete the trifecta for our audience (laughs) i already hit it i mean just you practice your alignment you know when you hit balls you should never hit balls without something down at your feet my dad used to come out to watch me hit balls i used to always try to be like dad come watch me hit balls just tell me what i'm doing and he would just throw something down at my feet he goes you're lined up 15 yards 15 yards right to your target and he'd walk away and i'd go oh what (laughs) <laughs> kind of just dumbfounded. I mean, and when the tour players are out here, not one of them practice on the putting green or on the driving range or eh, maybe a little bit around when they're kind of chipping, chipping and pitching maybe without, but they always work with something at their feet, work on your ball position, work on, work on your alignment. And if you can do those two things, you're going to improve uh, so much. And I always use this analogy. If, if, if you're, say, a baseball player, and, and say you want to throw it to home plate, if your body is lined up to third base and you're a right-hander, 
how are you going to throw it to home plate? And that's what play, and that's what golfers do. They line up right at their target and they try to pull everything back. That's why you never see golfers necessarily in balance. And that's why nine out of 10 golfers can't break a hundred is simply their alignment is just that bad. So let me ask you this, Stephen, a so quick follow up on the alignment piece. Cause I've thought about this too, as you know, I like to rise and grind. I'm a big, I'm a big range guy. Uh, okay. You put the alignment stick down. Is that more in your mind to, to identify an issue to then course correct when you get out there? Because obviously you're not, you're not bringing the alignment stick out on the course. So I've always, I've always right. thought about but that. You're trying right? to hit your but you're trying to hit your intended target. So on the driving range, you're always working with a purpose. You got to work with the purpose. If you're on the driving range and you're consistently lined up at that 150 yard flag or you're at that 175 yard, you know, sign, you are always practicing with the purpose. And when you're on the, then when you're on the golf course, again, like I said, all golf, all good players are going to stand back behind the ball before they approach the ball, stand back behind it. You pick a spot and you line up at that spot with the club, and then you set your feet parallel to it. I so mean, Ev, it doesn't, get, it doesn't get much simpler than that. I mean, I think you yeah. <laughs> you need to take this in. <laughs> if you can do that and you can finish in balance, I mean, I always try, I always try to tell kids, you know, when, when I work with junior golfers, you always just say, try to pose. Try to pose like I'm, like I'm going like, uh, to take a picture of you for Golf World magazine. You know, and when they, when you can do, when you can actually finish in balance, usually your alignment, then, you know, you're, you're doing okay. Cause you're not trying to manipulate the club. You're not trying to come over the top of it and pull it back to the direction that your brain is trying to tell you. Most right-handers are right-eye dominant. For me, I'm left-eye dominant. So that helps me a little bit, but most right-eye, you know, obviously then you're standing up at the ball and you're right-eye dominant. Your, your eye is behind, your eye is behind the ball. And your eye, your right eye is certainly can't, doesn't have the uh, uh, vision of seeing down a fairway. So it's just amazing how many times people look over their left shoulder and they're trying to pull the ball 100 yards to the left of where they're aimed. And like I said, think about that baseball analogy. Try to throw a ball across your body and you tell me how much power and energy and balance you can have into that toss. Yep. It's true. Absolutely. Luckily, I'm gifted with a very strong arm. But for the for the majority, out there, <laughs> I, I hear okay. you. I hear you. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. Well, we. Uh, that's good, and I, I think the listeners can take uh, take take some great advice there from you about focusing on fundamentals, specific alignment. So, um, as we're kind of wrapping up here, before we let you go, got a few last things for you. And you're going to have to confirm a rumor. You know, some folks who've played out at Macapulco. Uh, Stephen, is there something called the Crab Cake Open? And if so, is there anything you can tell us about it, or maybe how you register to get into this tournament at Capilou? Uh It's called the Clam Bake. Oh, the Clam Bake. Okay, Clam Bake. Called- <laughs> clam Bake. Okay. Seafood, yeah, seafood uh, related. <laughs> Clam bake, yeah, it's uh, it's actually our biggest internal event. It sells out every year. Uh, it's 128 players. Last weekend in June, last Friday, Saturday, and Sunday in June. So this year, June 22nd through 24. Uh, sure. And this will be our 36th annual, or I'm sorry, 32nd uh, annual. Hmm. Um, information. I'll I'll send out information to kind of all the people uh, that have participated in the past. I send that out first second week in March. And uh, and then it'll also be posted on the golf at Kapalua.com website. 
It's fabulous. So you play, you play, uh, you kind of get some benefits to a couple practice rounds. You play two rounds at plantation. And then the third day in the final day, the Sunday is at the Bay course. Uh, it's fabulous. So you got one pro and then of course three ams and people from all over the Hawaiian islands. We got, we always got a team from Vegas that comes out here. We get a team from New York that comes out here. We got people from Florida. Uh, well, oh, my team is a Chicago team. Sure. Okay. <laughs> All right, Cermak. Cermak, you're going my out there. Team is a Chicago team. Yeah. No, it's awesome. It's a lot of fun. Uh, I haven't, I haven't built the budget or anything yet for it, but it's usually, it's about maybe $4,000 a team. So it's about a thousand bucks a player. Hmm. Uh, sure. but the, and I want to say the pro, the pro, I think last year was maybe 400 bucks. And then. I think the yams were like twelve hundred something a piece. So, all right, rumors are confirmed, folks. It is the clam bake, not the crab cake. <laughs> Thanks for confirming <laughs> that, like term. So, uh, kind of like the old Pebble Beach days. Kind of, you know what they they always do a clam bake at Pebble. Like I think, don't they? I think they. I think when they do their pro am at Pebble, I think they've always had a clam bake too uh, to lead up to that week. So, but but we're talking about Kapalua, not Pebble. So. Yeah, and you know, I'd go out there and say Kapalua is more picturesque than than Pebble. But I digress. Okay, important <laughs> question. Important question for you, Stephen. For those golfers out there thinking about visiting the island for the first time, looking to plan a golf trip, or just play golf while they're there, what do you think is the best way to do it? Any tips, tics, tricks of the trade? Well, you know, to me, you know, kind of like kind of the flows or the rhythms of kind of the year, the trends of it, you know, kind of go along with what a college student's college student schedule is, you know, of course we're really busy during winter time. Cause you know, college students almost always have that month off for like winter break. And then spring break is always a busy time. Uh, summer, I think is to me, summer is great because the days are long. Uh, it's, it's bright out at probably six o'clock in the morning. It doesn't get dark until like seven 30. I, I love the summertime uh, because it doesn't rain a lot and it's pretty dry. The golf course will play a little faster. Um, if you're kind of coming out and you don't have to worry about school or anything like that, uh, October is really, to me, the best because you're starting to get whales kind of coming in. So you can see that. The weather's still really good. Um, we don't start to see really uh, – we really don't start to see real heavy rain until November. And then November through March are kind of your rainier times. But, of course, everybody's – this is the busiest time of year strictly because everybody's trying to dodge the snow, which certainly I understand. And then, yeah, if you're kind of looking for to stay or accommodations-wise, you know, <laughs> I don't have – I have I only have one couch, so I don't have a whole lot of space. <laughs> but I always, always have somebody that's knocking on my door. Um, but, you know, uh, you know, Kanapali is kind of a fun spot to stay because there's always – there's always, it's a vibrant and there's a lot of people there. Kapalua is a lot quieter. You know, I always think, you know, if, if you were coming out here, you could almost just buy a tent at Costco right next to the airport, buy a, buy an air mattress and sleep on the beach for a couple of days. And that'd be the least expensive way you could stay here because you're not going to spend much time in a hotel, but you can camp out just about anywhere. So <laughs> I, if you wanted to do it, you could, people could do that. Half the golf crew is going to stay at Steven's house. The second half is going to get a tent. Maybe eat at Mama's from Costco house with the amount of money you save, <laughs> and then you know play Kapalua a couple times. I like that. Yeah, and then you got an extra. Then you got an extra, uh, some extra money to buy a package and play unlimited golf at Kapalua. 
dozen of Kirkland golf balls from Costco, you're set, right? I mean, you're not going to lose them, you know? <laughs> oh, oh, well, we'll lose them. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm a... Uh, I'm a Nike and a Titleist guy, so. Wow. Wow. Not a Kirkland guy. Give him credit. Okay. <laughs> he must be a pro. Okay. <laughs> all right. Um, well, all right. Before we let you go, Stephen, we, we've got to we've got to put this on your radar. We got to settle the score. Two weeks ago, at the Century Tournament of Champions, you were there. Dustin Johnson, the winner, hit one of the most amazing golf shots, at least in the last couple years, right? <laughs> On the 12th hole, he hit a 432-yard 430, drive. It was a 433-yard par four. He hit it to 10 inches. Randall Chambly from the Golf Channel said it was the greatest shot he's ever seen. <laughs> Steven, you know this golf course. You know this he hole. did not say it was the greatest <laughs> shot he's ever seen. He said it was the greatest shot in golf history. They're, they're even better. We want to get your thoughts as an on-the-ground guy who was there, or at least maybe didn't see it live, maybe he did, but you could talk a little bit about that shot, that hole, and tell us if you think it's the greatest. Uh, it, it's not the greatest golf shot in the world. Not the greatest. <laughs> I, I would say it's not even probably in the top ten, but oh, wow. it was pretty cool strictly because, you know, that hole, you know, the first time I actually played this golf course and I played with their former – uh, general manager, director of golf, uh, Mike Jones, who's now at Nemecole and just south of Pittsburgh. So I want to give Mike a shout-out because Mike is the guy. And he actually was at Cantini, and he was at Stonebridge, and he's a Chicago guy. So, uh, But I miss Mike. And uh, the first time I played this golf course, I drove that green. So if I could drive that green. Oh, okay. And that green is – and that thing is he got I, – I, of course, didn't see it live, but I saw it in replay. And – you know, that hole is just straight downwind. It's straight down the trade wind. So he just got a one. He got a really, really good bounce. And, of course, golf, just like life, a lot of it's about what kind of bounces you're going to get. He got a great bounce. And even when I saw it on replay, when it hit the green, I was like, wow, that ball's got a lot of speed. I hope it doesn't go in the bunker. I can't believe, after I watched it three or four times, that it didn't get passed. I can't believe it didn't go in for one, and I can't believe, it did. if anything, it didn't go over the green. Because when it hit the green – it was steaming and 12 is one of the smaller greens on the golf course. So, uh, I don't know. That was, that was pretty wild. I mean, was, there's no doubt. It was a heck of a golf shot, but, uh, uh absolutely. okay. Well, we, we well, heard it we here first, group. not even in the top yeah. 10. Yeah, we agree. <laughs> I think we, we think Brando was taking a hot take, a sensational take to stir up the masses. And he did, but we wanted to, I at least, I, I we wanted to confirm this with you. I, <laughs> maybe one of the maybe the, certainly the best golf shot of the week. Uh, yeah. yeah, I like but, that. You know, the best golf shot of the week, but I mean, you know, can we say have we all seen every golf shot? So I can't say that I've watched all those matches from the '40s, '50s, '60s. You know, I'm sure uh, guys like Byron Nelson and and uh, Harry Varden and Hogan have hit, hit shots that you know were absolutely incredible. So. Uh, there's a lot of yeah, history well, there. There's a lot. Of, there's been a lot of golf shots played. To call that the, you know, if it go, if it now if it goes in and he does make a one there, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, maybe it, right. It, it ups the ante a little bit, but uh, uh, Tiger, Tiger Woods has thirty or forty better than that. We all know that. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty cool. There's no doubt about it. But I mean, it's straight down the trade wind. It's straight down grain. So that ball is just motoring like a like a freight train. So, uh, like I said, it was a cool shot to watch and replay, but. 
not in my top 10. All right. Well, Steven, thanks so much for your time. Uh, this was great. great. To be with you guys. I'm glad that uh, our folks got a little bit of an uh, inside look at, at Kapalua, arguably the most beautiful course in the world. I can vouch for it. Played it in September. It was fantastic. Can't wait to get back there. Hopefully we'll meet in person next time I show up there. Um, the only thing I'd ask, might need to do away with that $50 cart fee. That's going to be my last ask for you. Had the girlfriend in the cart. And, uh, oh, we'll, we'll the ride, take, oh, the ride, you mean the rider fee? Oh, yeah. the rider fee. Yeah, yeah the rider because fee. The ride along yeah, fee. We do, like, the we ride do, we'll do, we'll do 40,000. I know, I hate charging people for that. I really do. But, you know, we got 40,000 golf. We do 40,000 rounds plus a couple thousand, uh, kind of charitable rounds. So we're doing over 40,000 rounds of golf. Truly, often it just means it's an extra cart going on the golf course. Sure. So just so every person who doesn't play out here, brings the next brings a plus one i'd have to have 200 golf carts out here and i only got 100 so that's fair unfortunately that's, that's fair. unfortunately <laughs> i know but for you I'll, I'll be more than happy to comp it for you because now we're friends okay well i might take you up on that all right steven yes, thanks I so would. much and uh everyone out there get out to kapalua it's worth it love to have you reach out i'd love to help anybody coming out this way and i'd be more than happy to help you with any in any way i can all right take care steven appreciate it Thanks, Thanks gentlemen.